Hello from Recovery Internet Radio, broadcaster act from Straight Up Studios here in beautiful Bow Valley, Illinois. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Burrito Grande, the best little burrito joint in McHenry County at 140 Crystal Street, Route 14, right across from the train station in Cary. Burrito Grande, eat at Burrito Grande today. Tonight on Straight Stuff on Addictions, our show is It's a Family Affair with our host, Rick Atwater. Chris, and thank, thanks to Chris, our engineer, and uh, and also our intro person tonight. <laughs> and let me uh, so let me introduce uh, Marsha H, who we're going to talk to tonight about uh, about how addiction affects the family. And um, I've known Marsha for a while, so it's easy for me to ask questions. So let's start by. Uh, Oh, one other thing before before I before I launch, a um, couple things I want to remind people about. Um, we're here every every Sunday night at eight o'clock, um, so hopefully you'll join us next week. Um, and the show next week is everything you always wanted to know about rehab, but we're afraid to ask. We've got a friend coming on who knows a lot about treatment. Um, also, if you want to contact us. Um, and call during the show with a question or uh, a comment, you can call us at 323-792-2977. You can also like us on Facebook, or you can follow us on blogtalkradio.com or Twitter at Rick Atwater. We will be sending out a tweet each week with uh, a question that relates to the next week's show. So, uh, follow us on Twitter if you want to check out that question. So back to you, Marsha. Sorry about the backwards thing. I forgot to make the announcement. But anyway, um, so what I, I guess we're, the place I'd like to start is um, how when did first, when did trouble first start showing up in in your family, and how how did that show up, and what did you think about it? Well, hi, Rick. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, when did trouble start showing up? You know, I think hindsight is different than when we were actually experiencing it. I think there were troubling signs uh, in the couple of years prior to things really falling apart with our oldest son. Like what were, what were those signs that you can... Look back at now. Um, and he was really young when he started. He was in seventh grade. Um, actually, it started in sixth grade. His grades at school, he had always been a very good student. His grades started dropping. Mm. And by the end of the year, he was failing all of his classes. And that was a shock to us. In seventh grade? In sixth grade. Sixth already. grade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we attributed it to a lack of discipline. Mm. So we clamped down on him and... Made sure he worked till 10 o'clock every night, getting his grades up, never really looking at the big picture. Mm. Seventh grade, he started a fire in his locker at school. Mm. And that was a major uh, event. Um, Of course, at the time, we were convinced that he hadn't done it. Mm. And it wasn't. Did he tell you that he hadn't done it? Correct. Mm -hmm. He was incredibly uh, good at. Um, you know, most kids, I would think, would have been terrified, and um, he had us convinced that it was someone else. And it wasn't until later, uh, actually a year or two later, that he finally admitted it. Oh, he did tell you? Yes. Hmm. Why, did he tell, why did he tell you later, do you think? We, he was already at uh, a boarding school in Montana, and we were having some heart-to-heart talks. So. And out it came. And out it came. Yeah. So, so, so sixth grade, seventh grade, and and what did you what did you think or what did you attribute it to? I mean, what did you think was going on? You know, I had no idea. I thought I had no idea at the time. Um, my sister had had some serious behavioral issues with her son, um, who was about eight years older than Alex. Um, I think. Inside, I was terrified of where this was going, 
So I think I was in denial. Hmm. What was the what was the terror? Um, terror. I had watched my sister basically lose her son to drugs and mental illness. Yeah. And that's um, and that was my ultimate fear, yeah. But of course at that moment I was in denial that nothing is really happening. This is just How did you how did you do that? I think I shut down. I you know, mm. um I think the whole family actually was shutting down. Mm. I didn't realize it at the time. Like shutting down like that like not talking or just not talking about that or no communication. We all kind of went to our own places in the house. Um, we not, did not spend any time together as a family hmm. at all. Everybody had their own hobbies. Yes, <laughs> everyone was hiding out. Yeah. Okay. So things are, and this is, and like this takes us. This is we're talking still sixth and seventh grade in that in that age range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then so after the fire incident. I take it he didn't get in any trouble for that since no. he denied it and and you know and we came to the rescue we were there you know running interference with the police with the fire commissioner you know we came up with lots of plausible reasons you know why Alex wasn't the one that did it hmm. like defense attorneys Yes, I thought we did a great job. <laughs> Apparently, you did. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Because these were serious charges that could have. Oh yeah. Been really serious. Oh yeah, you can get you can get in enough trouble just pulling the mm-hmm. pulling the fire yeah. alarm, much less yeah. starting the fire. Yeah. So okay, so he he skates on that. Yep. And um, everybody's everybody's playing in their own room. Mm-hmm. And then so what's What's the next uh, development then? What so eighth grade? So, well, I spent the summer of seventh grade, basically chasing Alex around, taking him on bike rides. I had a personal trainer for him, mm. um, keeping him busy all the time. That was my purpose in life, well, thinking that, was, that I would save him from himself. It was kind of keeping you busy a little yes. bit too. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, it was my entire focus. And you're, I mean, you're a working mom, right? Yeah, I have my own business. I'm a CPA. Yeah. Successful business, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and mention the name of it, please. Oh, no, don't mention the name of it. Sorry, I was going to give you a plug, but we can't do that. <laughs> Scratch that. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, so yeah, so you're, you're like, running him around. Um did you think that there was anything different about that, or was that just like pretty much the norm for you? Um, it runs in my family. We're fixers. Mm. We are very determined women in mm-hmm. our family. Um, we are all professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, we fix things. And so, if so, by inference, if you're fixing, he's broke. Right. Okay. Yeah. Did he? Did he? What did that look like? I mean, did he get that, or how? How was that playing out in the system? Well, in the beginning, he was pretty compliant. He mm-hmm. went along with my plan. Gave me a little grief now and then, but mm-hmm. you know, um, went along with it. And I had him hopping. So did that work? Couple months it worked. Yeah, wore me out though. Right. So, so work is relative, right. I guess. Right. Because like, probably most people would think that work means he didn't get in trouble. Yes. Which. And that was what that, I was going for. In yes. that respect, yes. But then, like, if we fast forward and maybe redefine what work really means, then it you were work. yeah. yeah didn't work but we don't want to jump ahead too much too much interesting stuff in between oh yeah so all right so um that summer this is before eighth grade mm-hmm. okay so you're running Seventh around grade, he's 13 years old yep i uh it's a, a job and a half mm-hmm. um and 
it's because the message that I have heard all my life is you got to keep these kids out of trouble. Keep them busy, they'll stay out of trouble. That was your family's message? My families, or? my friends. Yeah, that's what I thought you do. Everybody, keep them busy. Yep, keep them busy. Wow. I wonder, do you think, I mean, I wonder if that's like a common... Absolutely. Is that the That's what people think. soccer mom, the whole... That's the whole deal. Oh, yeah, yes. And I've heard that over and over from many, many parents hmm. all along the way. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I don't. I mean, I don't think that, but, but, I, but I think you're right. I think that most people probably do. I think parenting has changed over the last ten, twenty years. Um, how, well, how do you how? Like, you mean to? I think to parents are really more? afraid for their kids. They're exposed to so much on the internet with cell phone contact, twenty four seven with their friends. Yeah. With you know. The perception of what fun is being so out there now. Okay. The partying, the, you know, it's amped up with all of the contact they have now. So you think parents are more protective now than in the past? Yeah, I think they're aware of the vulnerability there because the kids are exposed to all this stuff. They have no experience as to how to deal with any of it. Right. Right. And you, do you, okay, so... Yeah, I think that's probably true. Parents are probably more afraid, and mm -hmm. there's there's probably probably good reason. And I've seen them, yes, and yeah. there is good reason, really. And then, you know, and I but I also wonder whether or not parents who have a background like your your relationship with your you know your sister's situation, so where there's there's a an example of something to be afraid of if that tight you know if that really tightens up things even more because i'm sure there's families out there that don't have that history yeah oh absolutely so they don't have a built-in thing to view to be afraid of yes then maybe they have so friends. i think i was hypersensitive tuned into that yes yeah i mean plus i think it's it's accurate to say that that you know, things are different. So probably both of those things. Mm -hmm. Yes. Anyway, so, um, all right. So after, so he goes into eighth grade. And what's, how's that go? And um, he hadn't had, you know, he was a really friendly kid uh, when he was younger. And the last seventh, sixth, seventh grade, he didn't have a lot of friends. And I did notice that. I remember noticing that. And then he finally got invited on a sleepover. We were so thrilled. And the next week, I found a bong in the bathroom upstairs. So I mm. discovered he was smoking. And I don't even know if it was pot at the time. It might have even been tobacco the first time. Mm. But he had gone on the Internet. Well, he had smoked pot at his friend's house, I later learned. And he became fascinated by the whole process. Mm. Found out how to make a bong and, you know, jumped right into that. Do you remember what that first bong looked like? It was really ugly. <laughs> It was an it ugly totally bong. It totally freaked me out. It totally that, rocked That really my required world. a whoop, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. I'll just I'll just go like this. That's whoop. All right. Yeah. If you can't you can't see him, but three fingers is for whoop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so it was an ugly bong that, ugly that you bong. found. And I was hysterical. Was it a homemade? Yeah. And I was hysterical. I'm not even quite sure why I was so hysterical, probably because of my own fear. And I remember my husband was working out of the house at the time, and we met Alex coming in the door from school, and we sat down with him at the dining room table while I sobbed. And my husband was explaining to Alex that maybe Mom's overreacting a little. And I just remember that as a... Uh, that was... A scene, and and I remember thinking to myself, why are you so hysterical? That's it, that wasn't like the normal me. It was just a huge reaction that I had, probably so, in reaction to a lot of other things that were going on that I wasn't aware of at the time. Like the all surface. all of that, all of the things that you were afraid of all along right. that had accumulated and caught up and. And, and the family dysfunction that was happening in our household that I was aware of at some level. 
Uh, well, and the the family dysfunction at that point was what? Just lack of communication. Everybody seemed really distant and unhappy. Hmm. Um, and this is definitely in hindsight. I wouldn't have been able to. You wouldn't have been able to articulate that. No, then. or even no, not at all. Okay. So, your I can see that's a that's a that's a that's a a pretty poignant picture because that's you were obviously hurting. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was hurting already. Yeah, for sure. and you know, somebody I guess in the if you look at it from the perspective of a system, usually somebody has to. Everybody plays their role, you know. Right. Somebody has to be causal. Somebody has to do the feelings. Somebody has to do the, you know, whatever else that they do. So you're doing the feelings. Right. Yeah. Did you? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back a little bit. Did you did you play a a role like that where you came from? How was there any similarities? Um, you know, my dad was an alcoholic when I was growing up. I got sober through AA um when I was a young adult. Um so no, I think I was the lost kid when I was growing up. Mm. But I was gonna do it differently. Mm. With my kids, because mm-hmm. you know part part of the thing that you know, I mean, looking back on it now, do you do you see this as a generational deal? Do you see like how some things carried over from where you came from? To- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the whole um, alcoholic family. Um, dysfunction. I absolutely carried that forward into my adult life. Yeah, and did you did you have any idea? I mean, was that? Well, you know, I went to Alateen when I was a kid. Oh, you did? Oh, I did. And in my twenties, I was part of a group for adult children of alcoholics. Sure. We actually did a psychotherapy group, which sure. was very helpful. Sure. Um, but there's lots of layers to that, and you know, a lot of it goes pretty deep. Um, and it's hard to um, figure out, really, because yeah. it's, it, it's so ingrained in who you are. Yeah, you can, you know, yeah, it's hard. You can't see the forest from the trees. Right. You certainly can't see. I mean, you might be able to see what the drinkers doing. You know, they're drinking too much and they're acting badly. But all of the things that happen around that happen so subtly when right. you're in it. Right. Nobody sets out to. You know, and then like what you said is I'm gonna, so I'm not gonna do it that way. Right. And I guess the other piece that really affected the way I parented and my family, my adult family, um, I was a really wild kid as a teenager too. I was huge and risk taking, um, and got myself into a lot of situations that were really dangerous and scary. Hmm. And I didn't want that for my son. And I think that was a big piece of what played into it, too. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) (laughs) But you look so innocent, you know. You're just such an innocent person, you know. Then you did dangerous things. Yeah, really dangerous things. And, and, you know, my parents were too tired. I was the third daughter, and they'd already been through it twice. Yeah. You didn't ride a motorcycle, did you? No. Oh, okay. Just thinking about dangerous things. That's what I'm doing now. Oh, just got my permit. Actually. Did you really? Yes, yeah. So, okay. So, you know, there's at least we yeah. can keep you can keep the fun stuff. Right. Solid choice. Yep. Yeah, you wear your helmet? Yes. Okay. Yeah, just checking. And road rash gear, you bet. Okay. So, um so then um back to uh, you know, back to your son in 8th grade. So, Unfold that a little bit. So how 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 are things going? Eighth grade, we watched him twenty four seven. We never let him be home alone. We supervised. We drove him everywhere. We picked him up everywhere. We were just beside ourselves, thinking that we needed to watch him every second, and that's how we were going to keep him safe. Using quotation marks. Well, it makes me tired just thinking about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So and and so the I, pressure was tremendous, you know, all the time. So how so how did that affect the family? I mean, what 
Um, I mean, did you take turn? Did, yes. did you and Jeff your husband? Was, Jeff yeah. worked out of the house, still my husband. Okay. And um, we took turns. Um, he would do night duty. I would do during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really didn't leave him alone for five minutes, even when he was alone in the house. How did he uh, respond to that? Uh, he got squirrelier and squirrelier. I mm. think tremendous amount of pressure on him. Mm. You know, being under a microscope all the time and looking at your parents and seeing their deepest insecurities. You mm. know, when you say squirrely, what does that? What does it? What does squirrely look like? What does squirrely look like? Uh, uncomfortable with himself, um, reacting or, or acting erratically. Um, and we were never sure if it was drugs, mental illness. We didn't know what was driving his behavior. But he just, it didn't feel healthy. It just didn't feel healthy. He wore black all the time. Um, his hygiene wasn't very good. Um, and he just looked uncomfortable. Hmm. Okay. That was, that was, and did that go on the whole year or how did yeah, that go? and it got progressively worse. How were the grades? Um, he was passing his classes. The grades were poor, but he was passing. Because he's a smart kid. He's a really smart kid. Like exceptionally smart kid. Well, he just, uh, you know, was in the top three percent on his ACT score, the mm-hmm. college prep score. Yeah. Yeah, and you. I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's always the way, you know, that yeah. the the that the exception, you know, this. The, the exceptional kid with all the potential. Here's mm-hmm. this kid with all this potential, you know, what he could be and what he, you know. Yeah. So how how are you feeling at this point in the in the drama? Of, Eighth grade? Yeah. Close to breakdown. I yeah. was losing it. I was losing it. I lost all perspective. I was just, yeah, I was a mess. Just describe that if you could. Hypervigilant, not sleeping well. Um, I was attacking my husband, who was working out of, we both worked out of the house at the time, attacking him. He was never doing enough as far as being vigilant enough. I was, there were so many things that I was so sure I understood the dynamic of what was going on and what was going through Alex's mind and what he was doing. And I'm, really realize now I had no clue and I probably there were some things that I was just dead wrong yeah. about. I saw drugs behind every door. I saw uh, his, you know, I blamed other kids uh, for being evil. I banned whole neighborhoods, you know, that he couldn't <laughs> enter because they were evil, you know. Um, you sound kind of like a like an all-powerful yeah, evil queen. I was. You know, waving was, the wand and Yes, yeah. I thought that was my job. I thought that's what being a good parent. And it was, was. all about protection. Were, it was were, all about protection. Were you worried, were you worried about what other people were thinking at this point? Oh yes, I was ashamed, and yeah. I even had a neighbor bang on my back door just to let me know she had heard that Alex was smoking pot. And at that moment, I was so beyond mm. that. You know, I was worried about so many other things too. How did you respond to that? I admitted that I knew that yeah. and that we were concerned about it, but I certainly didn't share what yeah. was really happening. Yeah. It you was know. it was far in your mind anyway, and yeah. maybe in reality we don't know, but it was far worse than that. You know, it was far worse than that because at one point, oh, at the end of 8th grade, last week of school, he got caught trying to sell pills to um a friend. Mm. And by this time, we were so ramped up that when we got that phone call, I tore apart his room mm. because I knew there was more going on, and I found a whole box of pills. Mm. He had gone through all of our prescription medications every time we had a toothache and mm. got codeine, and he had gathered it all up, and it was all in a box in his closet. So that's when I knew that Things were really out of control. Had there been any um, any treatment or any attempts at any therapeutic stuff at this point? Um, no. I think at this point, I wasn't sure if it was just an out of control kid experimenting. I didn't know. Okay. So when did we get to the first contact 
once I found the box. Okay, the box. The box. I ran him over to TAG. I mean, I called on the phone immediately, got an appointment with a psychiatrist at TAG. Yep. I actually brought the box with me, thinking that he was going to be able to identify everything that I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they all looked a little horrified. The box. The box. The box. You know, like, here, this is it, baby. There it is! <laughs> okay. Okay. So Dramatic we got, enough for you? Yeah, we got the box. The box. All can right. I, so we, can I ask what TAG is? I don't know what that is. TAG is a drug treatment program that's local in Crystal Lake. Yeah. That someone, I must have called, I don't know if I called you. I don't. I might have even called you, and you told me to go there. I'm not even sure. I remember. I I don't. I don't know. But I don't know either. But it's uh, the Advantage Group is what TAG stands for. They're yeah. yeah they're an adolescent treatment program. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you. So. So I immediately ran them over. Probably the same day I had them in there. Which is which is quite a trick because they're they're pretty busy. I am very good. I I I, I bet that you you could. I was ro- waving ro- the flag. Roll that boy in his box right on in there. <laughs> Sucker head wheels. Yep. So, um, okay. And then what did they tell you? Well, you know, they they called us out of the room and had a little talk with him and wrote up a nice little letter saying, well, they don't see this as being a serious issue. It looks like experimentation. At least that's what I remember reading. Right. And, I mean, I went into detail with every family mental health issue i mean my probably his write-up on my story was you know 10 pages and his write-up on alex's was a page mm-hmm. so, i had a lot more to say uh, okay you had a lot more to say mm-hmm. yeah they were they were probably thinking about admitting you but that was an adolescent program and they been. couldn't it do it <laughs> they couldn't do it i'm it, sure i looked a little crazed at that well point. and yeah scared to yes. death. Uh, and I thought they were gonna you they know, were gonna fix it. fix it. Like most parents, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm gonna bring my kid to this place and they're gonna know what they're doing and they're gonna right. they're gonna fix it. And they're gonna kid. diagnose the problem and Right. And apply is. the proper you know the, the proper fix. So all right, so what's what's the next step then? So we So we, then we come home and uh we continue chasing them around, uh upping our vigilance just a little more so that, you know, the magnifying glass is getting a little hotter, and you know um, he's the heat's up under the, the heat yep. up under the pressure cooker. And spot. I remember um, I was chasing Alex around the house, threatening him that if he didn't improve his behavior, he was going to a wilderness program, and I was going to send him out there. And I remember threatening him and thinking this will snap him out of it. You so know? you were gonna it was sort going to understand a that scared I, straight kind right. of approach, yeah. yeah. Which I think, I, I, that's another thing I think parent, parents think, keep them, keep them busy, and then when that doesn't work, threaten them with threaten the worst them. possible right. thing, and, you know, or, and then take them to counseling and get them fixed. Those are, pro- yeah, that's, right. those are probably the big three. Right. You know, and I guess in a way, we're going to probably debunk that a little bit in, in, in the long run. Not that any of those things were wrong, but I don't think those things applied, no. as it turns out, applied to the, the specific situation you were dealing my with. My approach at that time was really unhealthy um, and just created more stress for Alex. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So. All right. Well, you know what? What I think we'll do is we'll we'll break here, um, and we'll we'll pick up then right right after post tag and we'll let Mike P do a little uh do a little music for us. So so let her rip Mike. Go Mike go. It's Mike.
talking about was uh eighth grade year and kind of what you knew and so let's let's go forward after that first evaluation to like kind of the next stage and what you what you found out and 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 what you know what you learned what was happening in your family next well that summer um we finally we did actually alex's response to my um threats was to run away from home. So we had a big drama around that. Um, And then he came home the next day and um, Jeff and I were um, going to put him in the car and drive him out to Montana to a wilderness program. So um, I got my brother and my sister to come over that morning and my son would never create a scene in front of other people. Hmm. Only you and your husband. Only my husband and I. Right. So we knew the minute someone else showed up, he would behave. Mm -hmm. So we got in the car, we drove him out to Montana, and um, he spent the next 30 days in the wilderness. In the next two weeks, uh, we as a family came out with our younger son also. Mm Mm-hmm. And did some very cool family therapy. Hmm. Was it a? 
how would you describe the, the facility? Was it for behavior disorder kids or was it for drug-addicted kids or both? I think it was for both. Okay. Um, At that point, did you really did you have a handle know. on what it was? We with? had no idea. Something was obviously really going on, but we had no idea. And I have to confess or tell you honestly at this point, I woke up one day and realized that I was drinking a bottle of wine every single night. Mm. And I didn't know how I was going to be able to handle the pressure mm. without that. Mm. And did did you wake up to that once your son was in treatment and in in they were asking him no. questions about that, or those were uh, it those was were separate it was just things. a moment. It was a separate thing. It was a moment of realization that I wasn't there one evening when I should have been. Hmm. A moment of clarity. Moment I've, of clarity. I've heard it called. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You had a moment of clarity. I mean, we were all dealing with our stress in our own ways, and and that was the way you were doing it. And that's the way I was doing it. And so, what came of that? That that. Wilderness program then what they wh- well, I think it was a profound experience for all of us, you know it kind of gave us some language and framework around family dynamics, yeah, you know and what what would you say what would you say you learned about your family dynamics i mean what, i I know that that's probably hard to put in a yeah. in a single um, um, easy answer, but well, that we really loved each other. I mean, we really pulled together in that moment that we were all out there. Had Your other son was involved too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think Alec, um, my oldest son was fourteen at the time, and my younger son was twelve. Okay. All right. So, so we did do some family therapy at that point. Together. Okay. And you went out to Montana. Yep. And then. And then when you when he came back, then what happened? How was it? Uh, then he started his uh, freshman year mm-hmm. in high school. Immediately got in trouble. Like the first couple months, was suspended for ten days. For what? Uh, for smoking pot. Okay. On the grounds. All right. And Sounds then, like most of the trouble he's been in so far has been related to drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Is the is there an inkling in your head that that's that's a that that's the problem or that's a problem. Um, I think yes. A problem. Once I found the box. Yeah. In his closet, I knew. Yeah. That that was that he was self-medicating. Okay. All right. But I didn't know why. Right. Right, and there's probably a lot of people that wouldn't understand what that me- meant. Right. So to say what that what that self-medicating means then to you at this point? Um, My dad had a lot of anxiety issues that showed up once he quit drinking. So I knew that I had, you know, experienced what self-medicating looked like in other family members. Okay. So we had language around that term and all the, you know. So So he was basically, he had some symptoms, underlying symptoms. Right. And of something, and we didn't right. know what it was. Okay. And then, yeah, because it gets, it, it gets, so then we get into question about which came first and whether, right. you know, and at this point, does it really, does it matter? I think at some point it does matter. Um, but I think the only way to really find out what's driving what is a period of sobriety. Okay. And and so and he really hadn't had any. He hadn't had that yet, so we don't know what, really what the deal is. Right. Okay. So then, then what? Where, where do we go from here? What? So freshman year was a nightmare, um, and and I could see him getting sicker, and I wasn't sure what it was. I didn't know what he was using, what he was taking. I was my husband and I were both getting exhausted at this point. We'd been doing this for a number of years. You still drinking at this point? I was still drinking, but mm-hmm. I cut back significantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trying to be the good mom, mm-hmm. but I was still drinking. Okay, and felt feeling very, very guilty about it. And was and there trying to hide it? Any hospitalizations or anything like that, or any not yet treatments? Okay, not yet. Not until the following summer. After okay. and summer seemed to be the toughest times for us as a family. Okay, with the kids out of school. So how did he get into school. treatment? What happened? So the summer after freshman year, he. Um, 
he was drinking a lot of cough syrup, and I'm sure I found cough syrup as kind of started realizing that was his go-to drug right? because it was easy to get. Um, he was starting to have psychotic episodes and being totally non-functioning. Um, and the we, cough syrup is the active ingredient is DXM? DXM, yeah. yeah. And it's long-lasting, you know, depending on how much you're taking. It can last days. And it caused really severe symptoms. Um, he was hallucinating. He had a horrible pain in his legs. He couldn't walk. Um, he There were times where he was experiencing some blindness. I mean, it was really scary stuff. And we have emergency rooms and things involved we at this point? We have emergency rooms. They were not helpful. DXM does not show up on their drug screens, mm. and there was nothing they could do. We spent a couple nights there. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, not helpful. Ambulances. Ambulances, police. Yeah. Okay. We just did. We had no control. Over, right. You know, uh, he broke a windshield. Uh, I mean, it was just like lots of stuff. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, like more and more out of control. Yeah. The crazy spiraled. train had yep. pretty much fully. Yep. Fully rolled into. And we town. were all on board. <laughs> 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 so okay, I've always wanted to use that term. The crazy train came yeah, to town, so I, that was just a so perfect moment for we that. There. It just it just sounds like we were there, and our youngest son was invisible. He was we never even knew where he was, nor did we care. I mean, yeah. we were so focused on saving. Our and you know what? I mean, I think there's probably so many parents out there that went that know. What what you're describing? They mm -hmm. they get that mm -hmm. feeling. But you you run out of energy, you know. You run out of energy. You don't know what to do. You feel crazy. You don't know if you're crazy or they're crazy. You hate them. You love them. All yeah. all of the above. And you feel guilty because you know that it was something that you did that set this all in motion. Oh right, I forgot that one. That guilt was guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Yeah. I had a big sign over my head, guilt yeah. and shame. Guilt and shame, a T-shirt. Neon. I'm a bad mom. It flashed. Right. Blame me. Please mm -hmm. blame me. And yeah. the neighbors, I could hardly walk to the mailbox at this point. I was just... So did we get to a, then we get to a hospitalization at this point? Yep. He goes to the psych ward, ends up in the rehab unit upstairs for the adolescents. Um, talk to the psychologist, psychiatrist. They're finally admitting this is a serious problem, you know. That, mm -hmm. And um, together we came to the conclusion that he needed a more long-term treatment plan. And so he goes to they another hospital. They sent us to um, another school in Montana for severely emotionally disturbed kids. Wasn't was there a hospital stop first somewhere, or was that later? No, the, well, the, re, the psych ward for a week and yeah. Northwest Community. Oh, okay, and from Northwest out to? Out to Montana. Out to Montana. But the first uh, school we went to, severely emotionally disturbed kids scared us to death. The second school was for more behavioral issues. The second, the, this, this this one now that we're talking right, about? Right, Okay. So we decided to send Alex out to Montana. Okay. Well, that was kind of, that just it just makes me think that it was kind of prophetic that you were threatening them all that time with sending them to yeah. sending yeah. them to a, a wilderness school in Montana, and now well, we've got the second. This yeah. is the second the second run, second yep. different school though. This yes, time. and I I kept thinking if I send him outside out in the wilderness long enough that he would heal. Yeah. Yeah. And so he goes. He's gone for eighteen months. Eighteen months. Time. Back a little bit. We were out there. there every month. We had therapy with him every week. Um, so it was a really family-inclusive program. I think we made huge strides out there just to kind of identify what was happening. And it's a slow process of awakening, you know. And where are you at with your, your own stuff at this point? I... I, we had to do a lot of uh, worksheets while he was out there, and he went out there in August. And in November, I had to read a book called Addictive Thinking, and the light bulb went off, and I realized that I was an alcoholic.
<laughs> you know, and I had to do I'm, it. I had yeah, to do it. Yeah, I mean, that was because huge it's like the light bulb came yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Had the light bulb come on for him yet? You know, I got sober in November, right before Thanksgiving, and out there, I shared that with him, and we had a good, yes, conversation where he claimed he understood that he was an addict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think about that? I thought it was true. Okay. At that point, I, you know, because once he got clean, he did so well out there. He was a totally different person. Didn't see the anxiety, didn't see the psychosis. Nothing like, no. Not like what you would see. No. And we didn't know before that. Right. Right. So it was having some sober functioning time. We realized all of his symptoms disappeared. Wow. Yeah. And that yes, must have been. I thought by getting sober that I could save him, of course. Of course. Yeah. And, well, I guess you figured out who you saved, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he gets out, comes home, or how does yep, it Yep, he came home for middle of his junior year in high school. Mm-hmm. And immediately, actually, and he had a couple visits while he was still out there, had one major relapse every time he came home the behavior was still uh but you know we were kind of didn't know what to do he did great out there he came home and pretty much immediately went right back to doing hmm. what he was doing okay so home is kind of a trigger so yes. i'm i'm going to oh do we have a call all right so let's take let's take the call okay Caller, do you, do you have a question? Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a parent in recovery, and I've also got a family member in recovery. Uh, this is for Mark. Okay. And uh, do you ever feel like you're during your son's sobriety? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I've driven him to more meetings and dragged him to meetings that I've attended. Um, I've had to stop myself from kicking him under the table because he was falling asleep and I was worried I was going to kick someone else. Um, <laughs> I brought him big books in the hospital. I, of course, I, yeah, it's really tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. I just wanted to know if there was something else in the same I think you broke up a little bit there, caller. I can't, I didn't quite get that. Just wanted to know if somebody else was in the same state. Did you get that? Mm-hmm. No, missed it still. Okay, I think we lost you, so thanks for calling. Good question. Appreciate the call. Um so so let me let's just let's see bring it up to present and see if we can you know, go go all the way full circle. You've gotten sober. Your son has admitted that he's an addict. Um, he relapses every time he comes home. Mm-hmm. So, wh- where's the family at this point? And can can you sh- can you bring us to to present? So he comes home. You know, we've had a year and a half where he hasn't been living at home. And we fall right back into the same dynamic. How were you doing when you when when he was out? It was so much less stressful. Right. You know, we had some family time. I worked very hard at um, creating a relationship with my younger son that I had basically, you know, had no relationship with all at all with. Um, when when the other one was when the other one doing was, his thing. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think we all resented, you know, the family being thrown right back into it. Um, We did react a little bit differently. How? What was different? Um, You know, I think we started separating his choices from our own, Hmm. realizing, you know, at some deep gut level that we were not going to be able to save him from himself. That's big. It was yeah, it was and it was hard. It was heart wrenching. 
you know, um, because he could die from this disease. It yeah. was serious. So at this point, we've come full circle to knowing that he's got a disease right. from which he could die. You're being, you're pulling back. Where is he now? Um, he is at a halfway house up um, in Rockford, mm-hmm. and he starts a full-time job tomorrow. Um, still has a couple classes, did not graduate from high school this spring, um, has a couple of classes to finish, um, and we wish him the best. But he's not living with you anymore. But he's not going to be living with us anymore. It wasn't healthy yeah. for him, and it wasn't healthy for us. And how hard was that to make that decision? It's still hard. Yeah. It's still hard because every time we see him, he kind of throws out that question. Right. You know, and um, I'm just not willing to go there. And I look at him and he is so much happier that, you know, it just didn't work at home. And for our family in that specific circumstance, it was not healthy. You know, so many, so many parents um, will say, you know, at the first or the second sign of trouble or maybe the third, you know, well, I'm not going to kick them out of the house. I mean, you know, you don't want me to, you know, they kind of are are saying, you know, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in that tough love stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that. Because, frankly, I don't think that parents should be kicking their kids out after the first time they smoke pot or the second time or the third time or maybe the fifth time. But, I mean, we're talking for you to have made that decision. We're talking about five years or six years. Right. And there was. Multiple attempts at help and treatment. and, And there was heroin use. There was public, you know, posting things on the Internet. There was stealing from us. We never knew. We had he was totally out of control, and we did not feel safe anymore in our own house. Yeah, so, yeah, it got really bad. It had to, but it had. To, I think. I think the point is, you, you, you're not. You didn't jump the gun. We here. didn't do this lightly. And no. my husband and I came to this decision at different times. I um, came to it a lot sooner than he did. Which is. In a way, surprising. Yeah. Given all the feelings that you had about that, so, well, I'm, I guess that that kind of puts a that kind of puts a wrap, or pretty close to a wrap on the story. Is there anything that you would like to add or say to the to the parents out there who whose kids are struggling like yours? Anything that you would like to add? Yes, um, compassion. Have compassion for your spouse or the father or wife. Have compassion for your child and have compassion for yourself. It's a a journey, you know. Yeah, not a a quick thing. No. Well, um, so thanks for for telling your story and and giving us us the inside scoop because that's, I think that that's what helps people and that's what what we wanted to do. So... um, I guess uh I'll say I'll I'll say a couple of things by way of closing and then we'll have Mike uh Mike play us the rest of the way out. But I want to say thank you for joining us tonight. Please remember to join us again next week at eight o'clock uh Sunday. I will email um I'll email the link as soon for the next show as soon as I have it organized. Um and uh please also remember to uh remember that we're uh on Facebook, and you can get to us through Blog Talk Radio and also on Twitter at Rick Atwater. So remember, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you enjoyed this show. Give us your feedback. We'll see you next week.